Well, like I said, we are currently in a series called Journey. And what we're doing in this series is we are picking out various characters in the Bible and we're looking at their journeys to God. And what we've seen so far is there's each of these journeys kind of have a different starting point. They all kind of start in a different place, but ultimately they all end up in connection and relationship with the living God. And so we've talked about the starting point of God feels distant. And we looked at Hagar's story and how God was not distant from her. God was with her in her pain. He was right there the whole time. And then we looked at uh, the starting point of doubt. And we looked at Thomas and saw that God is not afraid of our doubts. He actually meets us in our doubts and helps us wrestle through them. And then last week, if you remember, we talked about the starting point of I'm not a church kid. And we looked at the story of Zacchaeus and how Jesus sought him out. And Jesus loves going to those messy, broken people because that who, that's who he came for. And so this morning, we are going to look at another starting point, And I think we're all going to be able to identify with it on some level. And it's this, I'm too busy. That I'm just too busy for a relationship with God right now. I'm too busy to connect with God. And I think this idea of being busy, like all of us, especially coming out of this season of Thanksgiving and going right into Christmas, we're all feeling the busyness on some level. And I think as Americans, like we've kind of adopted this, it's kind of a default mode, that being busy is normal, that being busy is actually good, that if you're busy, you're successful. If you're busy, life is going okay. But we know it's not good at the end of the day. And many times when you meet someone you haven't met in a while, you're catching up and usually the question comes up, hey, how's life? And what do you say? Busy, right? And I used to get mad at myself, like, why do I say that all the time? And then I go, because it's the truth. That's the only thing I know what to say, because it is true. I'm just busy. We all feel that. We wear it even as a badge of honor. So, so let's do this. Maybe if you pulled out your calendar, you could probably see this as true if you look at your own calendar. Maybe it looks like this, right? Like it is just pure chaos. It is everything, like you can't even read half the stuff on there, like whatever the green is for three days, who knows, but, but you just are, that's life. It is busy, right? And one thing, a side note, if you're using a paper calendar, it's 2023, guys, get, get up on it, okay? So maybe it looks like this. So maybe you've gotten digital, all right? So you've upgraded to the real world, and maybe this is what your life looks like. It's all category, you know, you got colors, things are overlapping, but that's your life. It is just busy. Now, maybe you're one of those crazy, psychotic people who thinks you don't need a calendar and everyone else in your life says, yes, you do, and you have a system like this, all right? That just stresses me out, all right? That causes me a lot of anxiety. But maybe that's your life, and, and you look at that and you're like, yep, that's me. It is just one thing after the other. I'm, in, I'm running around. It's frantic. It's chaotic. Now, as much as this might be normal for our culture, as much as this might feel like, man, this is the only option, you've got to understand being busy all the time is not good for us. I read this in an article recently. This is talking about the physical dangers of being busy. It says this, numerous studies show that task overload, mental stress, and busyness are associated with psychological hyperactivity, including increased blood flow and impaired connectivity between the heart and brain response. Summary, it is not good to be busy, right? It is not good for you physically. But, but here's the thing I want you to catch this morning. I think there's a greater danger. Like we should probably know being busy is not good for us physically and make changes. But I want you to know there's a greater danger to your life with being busy all the time, and it's a spiritual danger. And you might be thinking, what's the spiritual danger? And the spiritual danger is this, is that for many of us, we are so busy that busyness is keeping us from a relationship with God. 
It's keeping us from connecting with God. It's keeping us from being in a life-changing relationship with him. There's a guy, John Mark Comer, he wrote a book called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. And he says this, hurry is a form of violence on the soul, right? And you could say busyness. It's the same thing. Hurry, busyness, it goes hand in hand. But we are busy people, and that is causing violence on our soul. And the danger is, for many of us, we are not in a relationship with God because we're too busy. And so this morning, we are going to look at the story of a woman named Martha. And we're going to find that her journey is one of, of going from very busy to ultimately a relationship with God. And as we look at her story, I think all of us on some level will be able to find ourselves in that. So we're going to pick it up in Luke chapter 10. This is where we read Martha's story. And this is what the Bible says about Martha. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve along? Tell her then to help me. So what's going on here in this passage is Jesus is with his disciples and they're, they're going to village to village. And when he gets to this village where Martha lives, Martha, showing great hospitality to our Lord, welcomes him into her home. And this was pretty common during that time as Jesus was going to village to village. People would welcome him in. They would give him a place to rest. They would feed him and his disciples. And so Martha's doing that. And so Martha welcomes Jesus, probably his disciples as well, into her home. Now, then we're quickly introduced to her sister named Mary. And this sermon's not about Mary, but I want you to at least understand what's going on with Mary because it's going to impact Martha's story here in a minute. See, when Jesus comes into Martha's home, we quickly find that Mary comes in and she sits at the feet of Jesus. And what Mary is doing is she is assuming the posture of a disciple. She's sitting there listening to his teaching. She's worshiping him. She wants to connect with him. And you got to understand, when you read that on the surface, you miss it, but you got to know that was so countercultural at the time. Like this was a massive countercultural thing because in that time, women were not viewed as capable of being part of that kind of discipleship. Like women during that time were more spectators when it came to practicing religion. It wasn't, uh, it wasn't something they participated in. And so Martha was doing something that was very, very countercultural. And what did Jesus do? He didn't condemn her. He didn't say, Mary, you know, this is for the dudes. Go, go somewhere else. Go join your sister, Martha, who's serving. No, he welcomes her at his feet. And this is just like a bonus sermon point thrown in here. That is for true today, just like it was back then, that men and women are equal in value and dignity, and they are welcome at the feet of Jesus. Jesus welcomes them both. But that's where we find Martha or Mary. But then what about Martha? The pastor says Martha was busy doing other things. She was busy serving. Now, this serving was probably a mix of a few things. She was probably in the kitchen cooking up some food, right, making a meal for Jesus. She was probably running back and forth from the kitchen to the room where Jesus was asking, hey, do you need anything? And then she's probably picking up her house because she didn't have time to, like, get her house ready for Jesus to stop by. And if Jesus showed up at your house today, like, you're like, oh, crap, a lot to do. Like, Martha was in that mode, right? 
And so I can kind of like, I can picture what's going on. Like I can picture Martha just like chaotically, frantically running back and forth. Like the smoke detector, I don't know if they had those back then, is going off in the kitchen, right? Because dinner is starting to burn. She's running into the living room like, hey, can I get you water? I'm not going to get you wine because Jesus, you can turn it into wine. But she gets some water, right? And she's running back and forth and she's just frantic. And what is she doing in the midst of all this? Is she is missing Jesus, She's missing out on connecting with Jesus. She's missing out on sitting at his feet and worshiping him because she's busy doing other things. Now, it's easy for us to point the finger at Martha and say, Martha, how how did you miss it? Like Jesus is in the other room. He's literally on the other side of the wall and you're not connecting with him. Instead, you're distracted with other things. Why are you doing that? But let's be honest. If we look at our lives this morning, we are doing exactly what Martha does or did. That we are so busy doing other things that we are missing out. And many of us are just totally missing a relationship with God because we're so consumed with some form of busyness in our lives. And so what I want to do is I want to get very personal, right? Because I don't want to just park in Martha's story and say, this is what Martha did, let's learn. We got to look at our own lives. Because I think a lot of us are on this journey And so I want to kind of poke into our own, our culture, our lives, and what are those things that are keeping us too busy for God? Because I think there's some things we can all identify with. The first one is this, work, right? Work. Like many of us work hard, and many of us are tempted, and we are prone to be workaholics, that we work a ton. And there might be some of you in this room that you work crazy hours, and your life is just work, work, work. And maybe it's not just like work at the office, but you bring it home because it's on your phone and you're just constantly working. And many of us, work is the thing that's keeping you from actually having a relationship with God. Now, I know some of you are like, well, Austin, that's easy for you to say. You're a pastor for work. Like, this isn't a struggle for you. Oh, oh boy. Ask my wife, all right? Uh, I like to work and I, and I am prone to overworking. That's my tendency. So I get this. And honestly, this list we're going to go through, this is the one I probably struggle with the most. And we as a church, we've even had to help our staff team catch this. Because I think, I know you all think because we work at a church, we're like sitting around like praying together, singing together all day. It's not the case, right? So we started this thing, Pastor Rick uh, kind of launched this uh, this past year, 2022. So we have this thing called Move Your Magnet. And basically, you see there, each of our staff team, they have a magnet. Each gets to pick their logo, so some personality comes out there. But we have two magnet boards, one up in the north side of our building in those offices and another magnet down here, magnet board in the south uh, side of our building because most of our team is on either side. And so we said, hey, we know as a church staff, just like anyone, you can come in in the morning and you can just jump straight into work and you can just jump into the busyness. And we want you to stop and to remind yourself what's more important. It's not about working a ton. It's about God. It's about worshiping him. It's about connecting with him even through your work. And it's about using your work to spread the gospel. So we tell our team, when you come in in the morning, grab your magnet and walk to the other side of the building with your magnet in hand and put it on the other magnet board. And as you do, we want you to pray. We want you to connect with Jesus. We want you to pray for a staff member, pray for our mission. Because our goal is, even as a church staff, is not to just work and be busy with work. It's to connect with God. And so whatever you do for work, that's a tendency, I think, for all of us, is we can get so consumed with work that we don't actually connect with God in relationship. The second one is money. 
And this is tied obviously to work, but a lot of us, we are consumed all the time thinking about how do I earn more money? How do I make more money? How do I save more? And many times we're trying to find our security in that. And so we're always looking for a side hustle. We're always looking for a little way to make more. And if, you, if you're honest, say, I don't really think about connecting with God because I'm always thinking about money. Do I have enough? Am I making enough? And it's all about money. Another one we're prone to fall into is self-care. And I want to tread lightly here because what I'm saying, I'm not saying that self-care is bad. We did a podcast on this a little bit ago because we realize here at our church self-care is important. Counseling, coaching, all that, it's good. It's part of your spiritual growth and healing at times. But we got to be honest, as a culture, we've taken it to the extreme. That we've definitely bought into this idea that it's all about me. It's all about me time and treating myself and making sure I have what I need. And some of us, we focus on ourselves so much that there's little, if any, time for God. And this can show up in dieting or going to the gym, right? Like if some of us spend as much time with Jesus as we did in the gym, man, that would change our lives, right? And so many times it's self-care that's keeping us from the Lord. Another one is entertainment. And this is a massive category. I mean, we could spend a whole sermon on this, but it could be going out with friends. It could be taking another trip to have another experience. It could be chasing a hobby, right? It could be getting out on that golf course every weekend. It could be watching sports. It could be watching movies, TV, social media, name it. All these things we do for entertainment. We play hard. We want to entertain ourselves. And if we're honest, some of us are playing so hard that we don't have time for God. We don't have time to connect with Jesus. And here's the next one. And this will wake you up. Kids. All right, cool. Let's talk about how your kids are keeping you from God. All right. Uh, so, uh, one of the things, uh, and this, I know at first you're going to think this isn't true, but hear me out. One of the things that's keeping a lot of us from connecting with God as parents is our kids. And I'm not saying your kids are bad. Like if they're not in the room, like it's fine. Like you can be honest, but, but here's the thing. Like some of us are so consumed with giving our kids what they want. We're so consumed with making sure our kids get this experience and this experience. We're just so busy with our kids. It's actually keeping us from a relationship with God. So think about two things. Think about your calendar and think about your budget. All right, calendar and budget. If you look at those two things, and if you're a parent, you will quickly realize, yep, it's all going to my kids, right? Your calendar, your budget, it's all going to your kids. And I'm not saying that's necessarily bad, but what I'm saying is that is an indication many times that your kids are the center of your life. And if the kids are the center of your life, you don't have room for Jesus to be the center of your life. And so let me just poke at this. And if you don't like I'm talking about kids, you're really not going to like me. Let, me. let me use an example. Travel sports, all right? So uh, you can email Pastor Rick later. Uh, he'll talk to you about this. But... Um, <laughs> Travel sports, all right? I'm not knocking it. If my kid's the next LeBron, I'm going to have him in travel sports, I'm sure. But travel sports, let's just be honest. If you're in that world, you know, oh my gosh, calendar and budget, out the door. Like practices all the time. You're taking your kid to this city, to this city. You're paying for this hotel, for this hotel. And if you're in travel sports, I don't have to convince you. Your life is filled to the brim with getting your kid to the next thing in that travel sport calendar, or getting them on the next team, or getting them the next piece of equipment. And I'm not here to knock it, but what I'm here to say is one of your pastors, and I say this out of love, if you are in that category, if you are in that travel sport world, my fear for you is this, is that you have little time to connect with God personally, you have little time to disciple your kids to help them connect with God personally, and you have little time to be involved in the local church where you need them and you need to be as a family. 
And you need to understand that is something that's keeping a lot of people from a connection with God. So politics. All right, let's just keep it rolling, all right? Let's keep it going. So politics. Uh, a lot of you, and, and we're all guilty of this. I'm there with you. Like, we are neck deep in politics. Neck deep. I mean, we are consuming just so much political news. We're reading articles. We're listening to podcasts. Maybe you're reading a book. You're debating online constantly. Maybe you're that person that blew up Thanksgiving dinner because you wanted to talk to your uncle about uh, politics, and that just, like, made a mess, right? But you're just consumed with politics, and you're so consumed with this that you don't have time for God. And then let me give you one last one, and this ties into the passage, is serving. Serving. And this is kind of an odd one, because serving on the outside can actually look very spiritual. Serving on the outside can look like, yeah, you're doing the right thing, and you're connecting with God. But hear, hear me out. You can serve and still miss Jesus. You can serve God and still miss out on actually connecting with him. Like, just think about it. You could come here every Sunday and serve in every area of our church. You could show up in the week and serve during the week. You could serve every single day until you're exhausted and still miss out on a relationship with God. Because your relationship with God is not built upon serving him. Right? That comes after. You have a relationship with God, and then you serve him. You have a relationship with God, and then you serve because you love him and want to follow him. And it's the outflow of your relationship. But there's some of us, I know that we're so busy serving that we actually haven't connected with God in a long time, and maybe ever. And that's one of the reasons we say here, if you, if you serve on a Sunday, we want you to serve one hour and worship the next hour, because we don't want you just to serve. We want you to connect with God. And so let me give you a little caveat, because I know when I read a list like that, you're thinking, Austin, work, money, self-care, entertainment, kids, politics, serving, those aren't necessarily bad. And I agree with you. They're not bad in and of themselves. These are neutral things. But when these things keep us too busy from God, they become some bad things and some things we need to evaluate. And we see that in the passage. Look back. Look what it said. It says Martha was distracted with much serving. It's not that her serving necessarily was bad. Jesus didn't say, hey, you shouldn't serve. That's bad. He says, what's bad, Martha, is you're distracted with your serving. And what was she distracted from? Jesus. So it's not that those things are bad, but when those things become so central in your life, when they take the place of God, then it becomes some serious things you need to rethink because they're distracting you from God. Now, as you continue through the passage, you notice something pretty interesting, that Martha does a very, very bold and courageous thing. She wants to call out Jesus and demand something from him. So if you're ever ticked off with Jesus and want to demand something from him, it's not going to go well. Just give you a heads up. Don't do it, right? So Martha approaches Jesus. She's frantically, remember, she's running around serving. She's trying to do it all. She's busy. She's distracted. And she sees Mary sitting there doing nothing. And so she comes to Jesus and says, Jesus, don't you see what's happening? Don't you see that I'm doing all this stuff, that I am working hard, and Mary's not doing anything? And he says, Jesus, I want you to tell her to get up and to help me. And, and what Martha's doing, right? Like, don't say that stuff to Jesus because Jesus isn't going to play that game, right? But, but Martha, what she's really asking Jesus to do is to affirm and to justify her busyness. He, she wants him to pat her on the back and say, Martha, well done. You're serving hard. I see it. Mary, act more like your sister, right? Like, he, she wants him to just affirm her and justify her. But Jesus doesn't do that. And I think the same is for us. 
Like you look at that list I just showed you and you want Jesus so bad to look at your life and say, hey, I know you're busy, but we're good. I know you haven't been to church in like a month and Christmas is coming up and you'll get back in church. I get that, right? Like I see you, I understand. And we want Jesus to give us a pass and we want Jesus to understand and to justify and affirm our busyness. And Jesus doesn't play that game. Jesus is not interested in coddling us in our busyness. He's interested in a relationship with us. He's not going to play second, uh, second place to all the busy things in your life. He says, no, I want first place. I want priority. I want the center. I'm not going to justify. I'm not going to affirm your busyness. Now, how does Jesus respond to that? Because it's interesting. It's, as Martha approaches Jesus, there's a lot of things Jesus could have done in response. Like, and if, if I'm in Jesus' shoes, like, I don't know what I would have done, right? So what does Jesus do? And this is what the next few verses say. It says, but the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Martha has cho- or Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken from her. So we see that Jesus responds and does a few different things. First thing he does is he gently corrects her. Like there is correction in this passage. Like Jesus does correct Martha and wants her to see the error of her ways. But you got to realize he does it gently. Like he says, Martha, Martha. In Jewish culture, that's a sign of personal affection. So what Jesus is doing is he's not saying, Martha, I'm ticked off with you. I'm angry with you. Get your stuff together. Fix it. No, he's saying, Martha, I love you. Martha, I care about you. Martha, I'm concerned about you. Martha, I don't want you to be so busy that you miss out on on a relationship with me. Martha, I want you to come to me. And it's this image of Jesus, not with his arms crossed saying, hey, get it together. It's his arms open saying, hey, I see your busyness. It's not good for you. I want more for you. Come to me. And if you're in this room this morning and you feel like life is just so chaotic and busy and you know you need to connect with God, you know you need to make changes, you know you need to get in relation with God, but you feel like you're just too busy and you feel like God is mad, understand he's not. He's calling your name. He sees the busyness and says, I want something better for you. He says, Martha, Martha. And then another thing he does that's interesting is he uses Mary as an example. Now put yourself in the shoes of Martha for a minute. The person that you're ticked off with, Jesus is like, hey, be like her, right? Like that's kind of a, you know, that's a, that's, that would, that would suck, right? That would, let's just be honest. Um, But what Jesus is doing is he is saying, hey, Martha, what Mary is doing is what I want you to do. What Mary is doing is actually the posture I want you to have. See how she's sitting at my feet. See how she's not consumed with busyness. She's present in the moment. She's connecting with me. She's worshiping me. And he says, Martha, that is exactly the journey I want you to go on. He says, follow her example. And then you notice Jesus says two things in the passage to Martha. He says, what she's doing is necessary and what she's doing is not going to be taken away. And those are important things to catch because what he's saying, he says, Martha, the most necessary thing in your life is a relationship with me. The most necessary thing in your life is not cooking me some food. It's not making sure me and my guests have what I need. The most important thing in your life is a relationship with the living God. It is the most necessary thing. And think about all the stuff in your life that's keeping you busy. Think about all that stuff that you're just constantly running around doing. All of that stuff might be good, but it's not necessary. 
job, money, self-care, entertainment, kids, politics. Those things are not necessary. What's necessary is that you have a growing, life-changing relationship with the God of heaven, right? So it's necessary. But then Jesus says it's also not going to be taken away. He says, Martha, look at Mary, what she's doing, connecting with me. It's not going to be taken away. He's saying it is a permanent thing. He says, all the stuff in your life that you're busy doing right now, it's not going to go into eternity, right? What's going to go into eternity is me and you, and if we have a relationship or not. And so some of us, what we're so busy with is we're busy with things of this world that aren't going to last. And we're allowing the things of this world to keep us busy and distract us from the thing that actually is going to last forever and that's a relationship with God. It's not going to be taken away. And so Jesus invites Martha on this journey. He says, Martha, I want you to go on this journey from busyness to relationship with me. And the interesting thing is the passage just kind of ends. Like it doesn't tell us what happens. We don't know, does Martha listen to Jesus and say, yep, I hear you and sit at his feet? Does she just ignore him and go back to the kitchen? We don't really know from this passage, but There's another place in scripture I want to show you because I think it shows us that the journey Martha went on, she started from busyness, but she ended up actually in a life-changing relationship with God. And the passage is in John chapter 11, the gospel of John chapter 11. And in that chapter, it's a chapter where Martha's brother had just died and his name's Lazarus. And Lazarus has died and Jesus is going to come to town and Jesus is going to raise him from the dead. And it's an amazing passage. We could do a sermon on that. We have like, that's an amazing story. But what I want you to catch is the interaction between Martha and Jesus when Jesus got to town. Look at these couple of verses. First one in verse five, it says, now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. All right. So there's something interesting there. It says, love Martha but it doesn't name Mary. Now, that doesn't mean Jesus didn't love Mary. We know he loves everyone, but there's something unique John is wanting us to see there. He loved Martha. There's a love relationship between the two. A few verses later, it says, and so when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him, but Mary remained seated in the house. So there's a change there, right? Martha's no longer consumed with busyness. She runs to Jesus. She runs to him because she knows he is Lord. And then this last one, she confesses this beautiful declaration of her faith. She says, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. Now, what I don't want to do is I don't want to read too much into those verses. I don't want to speculate too much. But what I can say is it's really hard to read those verses in light of what we read earlier and not see a change in Martha. It's really hard not to see that she's no longer consumed with busyness. Now she has Jesus as the center of her life. She is in a life-changing relationship with him. She runs to Jesus. She says, Jesus, you are the Lord. You are everything. You are the king. She is now in a relationship with God. She's not consumed with busyness anymore. And here's what I want you to know. That journey that Martha went on is the same journey God wants every single one of us to go on. He doesn't want us to be stuck in this cycle of chaos and busy and hurry. He wants us to engage in a relationship with him. He wants to take us there just like he did Martha. And so maybe you're in this room and you're like, yeah, I need to go on that journey. I need to to figure out how not to live in this busyness and live in a relationship with God. And you might be thinking, Austin, what do I need to do? And I don't think you need to over like uh, analyze it. It's pretty simple. I think there's only two things. And the first one's that's just come to Jesus. Stop managing your busyness. 
Stop waiting until it's over because, hint, it's never going to be over. You're always going to be busy, right? Don't wait till it's over. Don't manage it. Don't try to figure it out. Just come to Jesus. If you're in this room this morning and you feel like you have no room for him, your life is full to the brim, don't wait for it to change. Just come to Jesus this morning. Let him figure the busyness out after. Come to him. And I want to read you an invitation. Jesus says this, and I think this is some beautiful words to sit on a busy, busy heart like many of us have. It says this, come to me, all who are labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. All right, if you feel overwhelmed with busyness, you should just read that verse over and over, right? Like, think about it. He says, come to me, all those who are exhausted, all those who are busy, all those who are hurrying, all those who just feels like life is a frantic and you're never going to catch up. He says, come to me. Let me give you rest. And that rest is a life-changing, eternal, personal relationship with God. And let me give you another hint. After you come to Jesus, it's not going to take away the busyness. So you got to be ready to do this. Eliminate unnecessary busyness. Even when you come to Jesus, the busyness is always going to be calling your name. It's always going to be pulling you back. And many of you, you might be in this room and you've already came to Jesus, but you got to be honest. You say, man, it's been a long time since I've connected with him. It's been a long time since I've seriously invested in that relationship. And probably what you need to do is you need to eliminate some unnecessary business, some things in your life that maybe are good, but they're not important. Because the priority is this, remember, a relationship with God, that's the most necessary thing. So as we end this morning, we're going to respond here in a moment with the song that we sing often here at our church. It's called Make Room. And as we sing this song, there's a few lines in the song I want you to really think about. And there's a few lines. And one of the lines says, hey, I will make room for you. It's talking to Jesus. It says, Jesus, I will make room for you to do whatever you want to do. And as you sing that, here's the question I want to ask you right now, and even as we sing, is, is there room for God in your life? Is there any room? But like, God wants to use you. God wants to invade your life. God wants to do radical things in your life. God wants to change your heart. God wants to do so much for you. He loves you. He's calling you. He knows you. He wants to be in your life. But is there room? Is there any room? And maybe this morning, for the first time, you need to say, you know what? Jesus, I want you to invade my life. I haven't made room for you before, but I'm making room for you this morning. And maybe you've made room, but you've pushed him out by putting other things back in your life. Maybe you need to repent of that this morning and say, Jesus, I'm sorry. I want to make room for you again. So I hope that's our prayer, not just something we sing, but something we mean. So let me pray to that end, and we'll respond together. Father, I do. I pray that you would help us. You would help us make room for you. God, you are the most necessary. You're the most important thing in our lives. God, you are the thing that's going to last forever. And Father, I confess, even as, even as someone on stage preaching your word, that I'm guilty of this, that I've put so many things back in my life that you say are good, but they're not necessary. And God, I've pushed you out in many ways. And I pray for us as a church that we would be a people who say, Jesus, we want to make room for you. We want to put down our busyness. We want to put down our hurry and invite you into our lives because, God, you are the most necessary thing. You are the thing that's never going to be taken away. And so I pray this morning as we sing that, it would not just be words on a screen or, or, song or, or words from our mouth. It would be prayers from our heart. And, God, we would truly make room for you and experience the journey Martha went on. We love you. In Christ's name, amen.